0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Patrick, what am I now? Uh, Stupid. What's the difference? Ah! Ah! Brocktober is in full effect as Iowa State and Brock Purdy hand Oklahoma its second straight loss for the first time since 1999. The injury bug made its way through Manhattan, Kansas, as both starting quarterbacks Skylar Thompson and Alan Bowman went out with injuries in the first half. And of course, Texas is overrated. As always, welcome in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Got a lot of fun stuff to talk about here. A lot to digest from this past weekend in the Big 12 conference. We had a full five games of football, and they did not disappoint. We learned a lot of things. Texas overrated, Oklahoma overrated. We learned that, you know, just anything can happen here in this league. It's going to be quite um Quite a quite a season here. We're only two games deep into conference play, but if 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 the remaining seven games are anything like the first seven for these you know for these teams, it's going to be a lot of fun to follow here in the Big 12 Conference. Real quick, follow us on Twitter at Ten of Twelve Podcast. I'd appreciate that very much. Stay up to date with everything going on around the Big 12 Conference. TCU, of course, 33-31 victorious over Texas down there in Austin. Up in Ames, Iowa, 37-30 was the score as Iowa State and Brock Purdy get the win over Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler now 0-2 as the quarterback of the Sooners. Kansas State beats Texas Tech 31-21 up in Manhattan, Kansas. 27-21 was the final out in Morgantown as West Virginia beats Baylor. And last but least, 47-7, the final as Oklahoma State beats up on Kansas. We got a lot to talk about here today. So we'll get right into it here. We'll start it off with TCU and Texas. You heard it there earlier, Texas is overrated. There is nothing you can say to debate this. Texas was ranked number nine coming into this game, and that was, I mean, that's just flat out wrong. The way they played against Texas Tech, I don't know how, you know, hindsight's twenty-twenty. sure, I get that. I don't know how you can vote Texas a top 10 team after their performance against Tech, regardless of what's going to happen here, like we saw against TCU it just blows my mind, and then the proof is in the pudding. You lose to TCU at home, and TCU is not a bad team. I don't want to, you know, take away from what they did because TCU, they were double-digit underdogs, which I thought was wrong. Um, Texas certainly is overrated, but TCU is not a bad team. The more Max Duggan grows um, as the starting quarterback of this team, the the more better that team is going to get. So, 33-31, the final, like I said. But if you watch this game. It shouldn't have even been 33-31. This game should have been maybe 45-31. TCU. I don't know how many field goals they have. I believe they had three or four uh, three-point you know uh, field goals in this game. So this, I mean, if they can convert those to touchdowns, TCU wins this game by a couple touchdowns, um, plain and simple. So TCU got down the field, but they kind of their offense kind of staggered. They got a little complacent. They got a little safe um, down there in the red zone. So still a great win for TCU. But if if you're looking at the box score and saying, oh. They only win it by two points. I mean, sure, it was a close game, but TCU, from start to finish, was the better team in this football game, no doubt about it. I mean, you go back to the very beginning. I guess Texas returned a touchdown, or I guess to the one-yard line on the, on the kickoff, but there was a penalty. It got called back, and there was actually a penalty on the opening kickoff before that. So it was like the third kickoff before the game finally got underway um, with all the penalties they had. There were probably a million penalties down there. In Austin, and I, the exact count was 26. But after after the after halftime, second half rolled around, the, the penalties kind of stopped. But it was just every single play there was a penalty or something going on in that game. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I don't know when this game ended. It was probably like three o'clock or something, um, which I guess isn't too late. But boy, if you're if you were watching this game in real time, you're thinking there's no way this game ends before five o'clock here. It, it was the longest game I feel like I've seen in a while. But overall, I mean, I want to go back to TCU because everyone's going to be talking about Texas, right? We, that's fine because they're overrated. But TCU is a good team. That is That is that that is going to be a good team. Um, Gary Patterson is, I, I mean, you could make an argument he's the best coach in the Big 12. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, I don't know if he's necessarily done a ton to prove what he can do as a coach, as a recruiter. He's great. Top-notch, no doubt about that. But schematically speaking, Gary Patterson might be... I mean less miles you look at his tenure, but just looking at Patterson, he's done a lot of things well uh something I think you can also mention uh Tom Herman in his press conference the week before here uh b- the week before this t c u game mentioned that that Patterson you know with all due respect, he's a great coach, he doesn't do much, you know very simple plays and you know stuff like that, but he said he doesn't do much i mean Tom herman is just such a a jack wagon, it's ridiculous um so, you know, Patterson will never admit that. But he had to have heard him say that he doesn't do much. He had to have heard him say that. And that probably ignited his team, ignited him as a coach. I mean, Texas, I mean, we could go on for days about how Texas isn't good. Um, they're just not. So, I mean, grand scheme of things here, um, the Big 12 is wide open. And we'll, we'll talk about Oklahoma here in just a moment. The Big 12 is wide open. I would not be surprised— if uh, December rolls around and we we've got a Big Twelve, uh, the championship game, we've we've got a, a team that's six and three. I would I would not be surprised at all if this happens. You've already got Texas, and Oklahoma. I guess Texas only has one loss. My mind keeps telling me Texas has two losses because they should have lost to Tech. But I mean, you've got the front runner, Oklahoma, zero and two. I mean, it is crazy. I mean, K State and TCU. Pardon me, K State and Iowa State lose. Their first games to Sunbelt teams. That's terrible, but they've looked really good the last two games. TCU, I mean, if, if Max Duggan continues to stay healthy, that's a good team. I mean, Baylor and West Virginia, those are two teams that, you know, might just stick around in the middle of the pack and kind of just sit on the outside looking in, kind of lukewarm. And then, you know, maybe they're the team to catch lightning in a bottle coming, you know, on the, on the home stretch of the season. They win four or five games in a row they make their their way into the Big 12 championship game. You don't know. The only team that I'm ruling out is Kansas, really. Texas Tech as well. But, I mean, all other eight teams have a legitimate chance. Oklahoma State's the only team that is kind of, in my mind, set in stone. I mean, Sanders was out again, but that's a good team. And when Sanders comes back, that's a better team. So, TCU, good win for them. Texas, bad loss for them. Um, Not going to spend much more time on this one. Penalties, penalties, penalties. If you watch this game, it was just, I don't know if they could even get a playoff without uh, a, a yellow flag being thrown on the field. But a great win for TCU. Happy for them. Good good for Max Duggan. Good for Patterson. Should be a great game coming up on Saturday against Kansas State. We'll get to that one in the second half of the show. But uh, for now, we'll, we'll, head and tra- we'll go ahead and transition over to Oklahoma and Iowa State. 37-30. Like I said, Brock Tober is in full swing as the Cyclones beat up on Oklahoma. Uh, a great, you know, that was just a back and forth affair. Uh, a fun game to watch. And not to say that, you know, K-State Tech was boring, but it wasn't you know, there wasn't much going on there. Baylor-West Virginia was just kind of a crazy game overall. Very ugly. Lack of discipline at times in that game for, for both teams. You know, Oklahoma State blows out Kansas. You know, Some games were boring. This game, up at Ames was far from that. Um, I mean, just it, it, where do you even start? You could start with Spencer Rattler being overrated even more. And, and, and Rattler made good plays. I don't want to say he's terrible. Twenty-five for thirty-six, three hundred yards, two touchdowns through the year, Okay, he's not terrible. I, I, you know, people. Oh, I mean, he's he's fine. Sure, like he's not amazing, but he's a he's a good quarterback. It's just where I get the problem is with the media expecting him to perform at the level of, you know, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, all these guys. Okay, that's where I get the problem. That's where my, my um, what is a a less extreme version of the word hatred? I don't hate him, but I just get very annoyed. I get bugged by the hype around his name. He is not that good of a quarterback. I mean, Brock Purdy led his team to victory, something Spencer Rattler can't say. I mean, he's he's two games deep in the Big 12. He had K-State very depleted in, in, in his first game. In Norman, in his home stadium, couldn't win. He goes up to Ames, Iowa, and, and that, that was actually a pretty pretty fun atmosphere, I would assume, to be in. I don't know if um, the, the pumped audio noise, the, cr- the crowd noise, the fan noise had an impact on it, but, I mean, I think that was all natural. A lot of it was natural. There was some, some buzz going on up in Ames, Iowa. Fun game, um, but, you know, back to, I mean, Spencer Rattler's 0-2 in the Big 12. So you can say all you want, you can say all you want. I mean, his running back situation is bad. I get that. You can say all you want, but he has failed to lead his team to victory after two games in the big 12. And I, I, just, I, I just love Oklahoma fans complaining, "Oh man, we're terrible. this is embarrassing." Oh man, Oklahoma fans don't know how to handle being, you, know, not amazing. You, you know, football, right, any sport, one team wins and one team loses. You can't always be the winner. I mean, yeah, you can be frustrated that your team isn't performing that well. Sure. I mean, yeah, there's frustrations all the time in sports. But the the way they're handling it, if you know, go on social media, it's just I love it. I love it. They just they can't handle losing. They cannot handle losing. Um another notable thing here, you know, Rattler, you know, games on the line here. Final minute or two of the game. And he's got a chance. This is what elite quarterbacks do. Tom Brady, you know, you, you look at the best in the business. Elite quarterbacks, when they're down and they need a score, whether that be a field goal, a touchdown, with less than, you know, two minutes in the game, three minutes in the game, they score. They find ways to win games. Good teams, good quarterbacks find ways to win games. And what does Spencer Rattler do again? He throws an interception. And that was the game right there. He, I mean, it wasn't like there was two seconds on the clock and he's having a desperation Hail Mary. There was still time for Oklahoma. And you go back to last weekend against Kansas State, same exact thing. I know you're, you're young. You know you're a freshman quarterback. I get that. You've, you're, you're trying to make a play. But it wasn't desperation time. So that's where I think you, you can point your finger at Rattler and say, hey, he has failed to be clutch. I mean, first drive of the game, they came out firing. They had a deep ball, and they got set up in the red zone, settled for a field goal. But, you know, that's a team that that couldn't win the game in the final moments. So you can say whatever you want about Rattler, but, you, but two weeks in a row, he's thrown an interception in crunch time when it matters, when you're supposed to be that elite quarterback that separates you from the rest of the pack, the, the Brock Purdy's, the Charlie Brewers, the Ellinger's, the Skylar Thompson's, the Deggies, all these quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. That's where you're supposed to separate yourself, and he has failed back-to-back weekends against, uh, I I wouldn't say average Big 12 teams, but certainly not the elite Big 12 teams. So that's where you're you're, you're frustrated if you're an Oklahoma fan as well. I get the frustration. I really do. I mean, and, and we talked about Texas. Iowa State had a few field goals in this game as well. I believe they had three. So this game also could have been... A two-two touchdown win for for Iowa State. Obviously, they settled for the field goals. They got the points. That's fine. That's their fault on offense for not being able to execute the plays to win. But they still did. They they settled for for field goals. If they can score touchdowns, Oklahoma, you know, is not going to be as close in this game. And I know that. Oklahoma had some field goals as well, so that's kind of an unfair argument to be making. But going back to that Texas game, TCU should have won that game by a few touchdowns. Okay, I I guess it was a close game in Ames. I'm not trying to say it wasn't. But, you know, Iowa State, they win it by a touchdown. Bottom line is Oklahoma is not that good this year. Big 12 is up for grabs. Anyone can run away with this conference. It's going to be a lot of fun coming up with the next seven games that we've got in this league. That's pretty much all we've got for, you know, for that. I mean, Iowa State has given you a lot of reasons to believe here that they're going to be good. Matt Campbell's finally getting over the hump. Brock Purdy's, you know, finally getting over the hump. I don't be surprised. I mean, Texas Tech is coming into, you know, to Ames next weekend. Don't be surprised to see an upset. Seriously, don't be surprised. <laughs> Do not be surprised to see an upset. I don't think it'll happen. I think that Texas Tech is just that bad, especially if Bowman's not going to be a go for that game, but don't be surprised if Texas Tech can can at least make some noise. I don't think they will. I really don't. I'm not i am not trying to hype it up at all, but I'm just saying Iowa State's going to be upset at least one time this season, at least one time. It's Matt Campbell, for crying out loud. You know they're going to lose a game or two that they're supposed to win. And I give them credit. They win some of those games that are not, they're not supposed to win. At the same time, though, they're losing some games they're not supposed to. So we'll keep an eye on Iowa State. Moving forward, bottom line, though, Oklahoma um, – uh, you know overrated I don't I, I guess you know the the term overrated you've got Texas who is overrated that's it the, they were ranked 9 coming into this past weekend Oklahoma was ranked number 18 coming into this past weekend so I don't think you can say Oklahoma uh, the, the the biggest takeaway is not that Oklahoma is overrated okay the same, you can say that about Texas Texas is overrated that's flat out that that is it Texas is overrated Oklahoma though the, the, the storyline or the takeaway or the, you know, the bottom line, whatever you want to call it, they're not overrated. They're just not that good. People realize that. I think people still want to hype up Spencer Rattler, sure. But bottom line, you look at this team, they're just not that good. The Big 12 is up for grabs. Texas is still ranked. What a freaking joke. I mean, that's where – I mean, it's like, how? How are – how is – I mean, what? They should have lost to Tech. Okay, Oklahoma's lost to two good teams, Iowa State and K-State. They're not elite, but they're good teams. Texas should off to Tech, and they lose to TCU. TCU is not a bad team, but it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous that people still, th- <laughs> they still think Texas is good. What is wrong with people? Texas is not good. And they haven't been for, what, five or ten years? Seriously, when have they actually been good? When they won the bowl game and Sam Ellinger said, we're back, guess what? Texas wasn't back, and you're, you haven't been in quite some time. I don't know what the the heck the problem is. I mean, Charlie Strong. You oh, this guy's. I mean, Char, you know, Tom Herman's now in the, uh, the coaching you know position. They're still bad. I don't know what it is, but it's just getting very annoying to see them. Meet. I mean, how is Texas ranked? What a joke. I mean, what an absolute joke. If you if you're a pollster, you're on the AP ballot, however that works, and you think Texas Tech or pardon me, Texas, excuse me, is a top twenty five team in this country give give me some of that whatever you whatever's cooking I want some of that because that is that just doesn't make sense that does not make sense at all zero I'm I don't know what to say about that that's a, that's, that's all I've got to say We'll transition here to Kansas State and Texas Tech 230 game here on on FS1 I mean K-State you know, we we talk about Chris Kleiman being the new coach, but that residue of toughness, that style of play from Bill Snyder, still lurks around the Bill, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. You know, K-State set the tone early. They blocked another punt. I mean, that's a, a play right out of Bill Snyder's handbook. So, K-State sets the tone. They blocked the punt. You know, they did. They they made the plays to win. Um, and you know, obviously the biggest. Apart from that, though, the, the biggest storyline from this game, Skyler Thompson, Alan Bowman, both of them are going out. We don't know the status of either of them. It's early in the week when we're recording this, so we're not sure. Uh, Kleiman said that Thompson does not have any fractures, so there is optimism if you're a K-State fan. There's a there's a chance he can go uh, in this game against TCU. There's a, there's a chance they'll, they'll give him the green light. And there's also a chance that he's out for the season. I've heard both. I would take each with a grain of salt. Um, we'll see what happens. No one knows, though. It's all speculation at this point in time with regards to the health of these quarterbacks. Um, I, I think you look at, at Will Howard and Jake... Pardon me, not... Huh, Jake That he's not even a quarterback yet. I'm getting my recruiting mixed up here. You look at Will Howard and Henry Columbia, okay? Columbia was the better backup in this game. I know K-State fans may not want to hear that, but Columbia... Had a lot more fire, a lot more energy. He had that M.O. to him. He was the better backup in this game. K-State won this game because overall they're a better team and there's 21 other players on the field that can take the pressure off of Will Howard. But if I'm a K-State fan, quite honestly, hey, let's start with this. Why wasn't Nick Ost, why wasn't wasn't there any uh, talks about Ost coming into the game? Because Howard didn't look that good, I don't know if I'm missing something here, but I would have at least tweeted out. I didn't see anything on Twitter, the discussion boards on Go Cat, nothing about OS coming into the game. That's just my take. I don't know if I'm missing something here, but Howard didn't look that good. And I'm not. I'm not trying to bash the kid. Um, I'm not saying his future isn't bright for Kansas State. I'm not saying any of that at all. But if he, if, if this is the way he plays. For the years to come at Kansas State, I am very concerned, and I can't wait for Jake Rubley to come into Manhattan. I'm not saying that's going to happen at all because he didn't have the, um, you know, this week he, did, he wasn't the main man, or I guess last week, pardon me, he wasn't the main man in practice. He wasn't the one getting all the reps. He's the backup. He's, you know, out of nowhere called in this game as a young quarterback. I get that. I'm not expecting him to do that well because it is out of nowhere, boom, snap of the finger, you're in the game, okay? That's fine. I'm not expecting him to do much. He got his team to win. That's all that matters. Bottom line, you got the W, but at the same time, this was all schematics for Kansas State. He was Tom brady in it out there, dinking and dunking it all day long. I don't, I mean, I was, and I don't know if I was the only one to notice this as well, but I was pretty concerned about Howard's arm strength—he had pretty much no oomph on his throws, no power, no strength, none of that. And that could be just me. My TV might have been slow. I mean, <laughs> my stream was messing up all freaking day. Not to mention Fox—you know, the, the the audio was just—it was—it was, a, it was a kind of a disaster. Let's be honest with Fox. But um, I don't know if Howard has it. There's a lot of football left to be played in his career at Kansas State. But Messingham—he's the one who deserves the credit for this quarterback performance not Howard okay you look at Deuce Vaughn's what 60 70 yard touchdown late in the in the in the fourth quarter to ice the game to seal the victory for Kansas State he was wide open and then Vaughn broke a tackle he was gone <laughs> the one thing you can criticize Vaughn for is is not going down <laughs> and and you know he went into the end zone instead of you know just kind of taking a knee at the one yard line that's the one thing I guess you could criticize him for for giving tech the ball back but other than that Vaughn was amazing but you look at the throw by Howard. Go back and watch it. It wasn't a good throw. It was, it was thrown behind him. And, I'm, and, again, I'm not trying to criticize him at all because there's a lot of football left to be played for this young man. But if he's the quarterback moving forward, I am not feeling confident about this Kansas State team. If, if Thompson comes back, this is a team that has a chance to make a run for the Big 12 championship. I, be, I firmly believe that. I legitimately, I truly think that. But if Howard's the quarterback... I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. I, I Seriously, I I, I don't want to come across as just saying he's not good because he's he's a good quarterback, of course. He got recruited. He's here, a backup to Skylar Thompson at Kansas State as a young man. I mean, I, I get that. I do. We just didn't see enough out of him for me to be convinced that he's going to lead this team. If he's the starter for a full 60 minutes, okay, I mean, no disrespect to Texas Tech, but they're not a good team. Columbia, like I said, Columbia was the better backup quarterback in this game. He had a lot more going for him. That dude could use his legs. He was, you know, 244 yards in the air, two touchdowns, 30 for 42, not amazing numbers, given he threw 42 passes, but still, he played a good game. And if you're a Kansas State fan, you are concerned, I think, moving forward. We'll see what happens with Thompson, but I, I, I'm i not confident in Will Howard. It, it, it's very funny. I'm guilty of it. I will be the first to tell you that I was always super you know, quick to point my finger at Thompson and say, hey, get him out of there. Bring Howard in. Bring, bring the backup in, whoever it may be. If it's Os, bring him in. Bring him in. I don't want Thompson. I was quick to say that. And then he goes out and he beats Oklahoma. Okay, Thompson is a pretty good quarterback in the Big 12. I'll eat my words when I said he was bad. He was overrated when he was this and that. I, for, I fully would like to take that back. And I was wrong. And I admit that I was wrong. So if Thompson is out, excuse me, if Thompson is out for, you know, an extended amount of time, K-State's in trouble. I mean, you, you just can't rely on Deuce Vaughn. You, you can't. And I, I was asked this question earlier. This is a legitimate question that I thought about and I answered I, No. If, if Deuce Vaughn wasn't on K-State right now, they'd be 0-3. I mean, you've you got to let that sink in. It, it it goes, you know, it speaks volumes to how successful he's been and how much of an impact he's had. But if Kansas State didn't have some freshman running back who nine times out of ten you can't be relying on that to be the case for, you know, your spark on offense. If Kansas State didn't have Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn they'd be 0-3. I'm not trying to spit out a hot take here, but think about it. He was a difference maker against Tech. He's a difference maker against Oklahoma. Kansas State would be 0-3. Right now, if they didn't have Deuce Vaughn. So that's kind of a, a two, you could go two ways with this. You could say, yeah, Deuce Vaughn's amazing. We need him to stay healthy because he's awesome. He's great. He's the best running back we've had since Darren Sproles. You, you could say that, or you could go to the other side and say, wow, that's bad. When we have to rely on this one guy to win games, that's kind of alarming. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But boy, I was asked that question. I said, you're not wrong. Deuce Fawn, they'd be zero three without this man. You can, I would like you to argue that with me because I, I'm pretty adamant about that—that that they would not be uh, having anything in the win column without Deuce. I mean, going back here to this football game though, uh, Kansas State, and they win it by ten. Uh, not a lot to highlight. You know, the the main storylines from this game were the injuries and. You know, Deuce Vaughn doing what he does. I mean, Texas Tech, the missed field goals for them, that would have been, you know, I think they missed, what, two or three field goals. Kansas State's got to be very fortunate in that category. I think they missed a few in the first half. So it was 14 nothing at half. It could have been a one-score game if Texas Tech can just hit those field goals. I mean, I think this also goes back to my point where I said Columbia was simply better than, than uh, Howard. They came back. They took. You know, they took the lead in this game. So they were down 14-0 at half. They came back and they took the lead. Um, that goes to show you I believe Columbia was a lot better than, than Will Howard. And I'm not trying to, you know, that's not a knock on him, on Howard. It's just that's how I feel. Um, the injuries, you know, Bowman, Thompson, that's the headline from the game. Um, like I said, the block punt for Kansas State, they've now got three of those in their first three games. That's kind of been the difference maker there. I mean, it really has for Kansas State. You can, you know, Deuce Fawn all you want, but that's been a big storyline for Kansas State, though. The block punts, the special teams plays that they've been coming up with. Um, I think the last thing I've kind of got noted down here for this game is Harry Trotter. I mean, he played well. I mean, Deuce Fawn's obviously the best running back Kansas State has, no doubt about that. But but Harry Trotter had a bounce-back kind of game here after getting some negative um, reception from the fans and stuff. He played well. He didn't play amazing, but he played you know, solidly enough to where the pressure was kind of evenly split between Vaughn and, and Trotter. It wasn't like, oh, Vaughn, we need you. Because that's the thing. If Harry Trotter doesn't go out and play well, if he plays terribly, Deuce Vaughn's not going to play as good as well because there's going to be way too much pressure on him. The defense is just going to be eating that up if he's all they have to focus on. But you got if, if, if Harry Trotter's playing well... Then everything's everything's just going well. Everything kind of fits in fits in place for Vaughn to play well as, as well. So that's kind of all we've got for Kansas State, Texas Tech. Um, I still I, Texas Tech's not a terrible team. I think they're uh, in ninth place alone there. I mean, you've got kind of quite honestly, you've got tier one, which is every. I guess you could say Oklahoma State. You've got tier one Oklahoma State. You've got tier two. That's every team besides KU and Tech. Then you've got tier three with Tech. And then you've got Tier 4 with Kansas. I mean, think about it. K-State, West Virginia, Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, and TCU. You can point fingers all you want and say this team's better than that team. Sure, you can say that. This team beat this team. We can do that all day long. But I think there's arguments to be made for every team besides Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Kansas. There's arguments to be made for all those teams that they're better than one another. So it'll be interesting. We've only had two games. I mean, what a crazy first couple of weekends of of Big 12 football it's been. But uh, if the remaining seven games, like I've said, are anything, anything like the first two, it should be a lot of fun. Next game we'll dive into here, West Virginia and Baylor. Um, You know, Baylor kind of chokes away here. I don't don't even want to say they choked it away. This was an ugly game. This was, if you're Neil Brown, or Dave Aranda, you're, all you're saying is, can we please just get out of this stadium with a win, please? That's all I want, you know, because both teams just played crappy. What the, nicely put, they played crappy. Penalties, interceptions, missed field goals. It was everything you name it. Um, you know, the discipline, not. I mean, not good for both sides. Okay, West Virginia picks up the win. Give them credit there, but. You know, you have the, the interception late in the game that kind of set up the Baylor Bears to, to go out and tie this game because they really didn't have much going for them through three and a half quarters. West Virginia gives them a gift. They sent it to overtime, and, you know, Baylor scored um, the first play of the first overtime. I guess it was this, you know, they were the second. Um, man, how do you even word that? They were batting second, you know, like in baseball's terms, um, in overtime. So they come out after West Virginia. You know, they score a touchdown within one play. That's what, I'm, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. I kind of gaffed there. But speaking of gaffes, I mean, this was the game full of gaffes. I just mentioned it. Penalties, boneheaded plays, um, the officiating. The officiating in this game was terrible, okay? We talked about the officiating in the Texas TCU game. That was kind of eh. You know, holding could be called on every play. You know, we always hear that in football, sure. But the officiating in this game was insanely just bad. I mean, Big 12 refs reminded us why they're Big 12 refs. And, you know, I don't know the exact uh, logistics of it, but the, the the officiating crews this year with COVID are different, so I'm not trying to put too much blame on them. But at the same time, this was pretty bad out there in Morgantown. The refs kind of just botched a lot of, you know, they botched it. But back to the main point, both coaches, you know, Diggy threw – you know, numerous interceptions. Didn't have his best day. Um, you, you've got Baylor, you know, missing, you know, missing field goals left and right. They missed three of them, I believe. Um, you've got the muff punt, um, and I, I, b- I believe it was actually um, the muff punt. I, b- I beg your pardon. I kind of had a another gaffe here. Um, this game is just <laughs> revving off on me in more ways than one. I believe it was a muff punt. Um, um, you had two West Virginia, you know, Mountaineers going after the the punt. Now it's coming back to me. I'm sorry. We, we record these on, on Monday, so this is two days after uh, the full day of football. And boy, I'll tell you, you know, 11 a.m. kickoffs are going up to seven, eight, nine at night. You know, 9, I guess it was nine at night when that Oklahoma Iowa State game ended. That's ten hours of football. So, I, you know, I beg your pardon if I ever mess up on here. Um, it, it was a punt here, and basically two Mountaineer players just ran into each other and then set up Baylor. Um, on on the mountain here, you know, territory. So, the, you know, all these gaps, everything kind of came together. Um, this is why I said, you know, both teams were just saying, can we please get out of here with a win? West Virginia was able to do so. 27-21 was the final out there in Morgantown. I mean, that's pretty much all I've got jotted down for this one. A good game, though. I mean, well, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I mean, it was ugly, but it was a good game uh, for, for West Virginia, um, it it kind of reminded you of one of those, you know, just grinded out ugly games. I mean, sure it was ugly, but to get that win feels even better after you had so many miscues, so many misfortunes in the game. Uh, feels good to get that win, I'm sure, if you are Baylor. Pardon me, if you're West Virginia. Um, tough loss for Baylor, but obviously both teams were 1-1. One and one. There's still optimism at the light of the end of the tunnel for these two teams. Last game, State, pardon me, Kansas and Oklahoma State. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we're even gonna say more than two words about this game. KU's bad. Oklahoma State sits atop of the Big 12 right now. Like I said, they're in Tier One alone um, after another impressive win. So 47-7. I mean, just I no. It's not gonna happen this year for Kansas. You're not a good team, Oklahoma State. You are in fact a good team. That I mean, that's seriously all I've got. Tylen Wallace nine receptions, 148 yards. Two touchdowns. Chuba Hubbard, twenty carries, hundred and forty-five yards. He's also got two touchdowns on the ground as well. So, I mean, KU's not good. That's all we've got to say about this game. Um, We'll come back here after the break. We'll talk about some some previews of this upcoming weekend in the Big 12. Of course, we've got three games. We've got K State at TCU. You've got Texas at Oklahoma. Um, I guess it's uh, in in Dallas, but then you've got Texas Tech at Iowa State up there in Ames, Iowa. Of course, you got four teams on by. Um, we'll talk about all that coming up here after a quick break on the 1012 podcast. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Let's go! It's the most all-star-studded challenge ever, and this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am Ryan Gilbert. Coming up this weekend in the Big 12 Conference, we've got K-State, on the road in Fort Worth, TCU currently an eight and a half point favorite over the Wildcats. Some K-State fans are a little upset about that. We'll dive into that one here in just a moment, though. Texas and Oklahoma, wait for it here—the Red River rivalry. If I can ever say that one correctly, I always have to slow down and and enunciate all those letters. But uh, one and a half point favorites currently are the Sooners. Of course, you know we record these opening. Uh, we record these. Um, you know, early in the week, so these are close to the opening lines in Vegas. Um, obviously, things fluctuate and change. But last but not least, you've got Texas Tech on the road at Iowa State. Cyclones are currently 12 and a half point favorites over the Red Raiders. Um, you've got four teams on by. You've got Oklahoma State. You've got KU. You've got West Virginia, and then you have got uh, you got Baylor. Okay, uh, that that took me a while. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, should be, it should be a good weekend, though, of, of football. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm kind of excited just to have three games. Uh, I love a full slate of games, um, but like I talked about earlier in the first half, you know, sometimes it feels good to not just be bombarded with football all day long. I mean, we've got a game at 11 a.m., of course, the Red River rivalry, and then you've got Texas Tech and Iowa State at 2.30. You've got K-State and TCU at 3. So football should be over by, what, 6 o'clock, and you can go Enjoy a Saturday night wherever you're at. So we'll start it off with the Red River rivalry. I mean, it's not going to be that good of a game. Like we all know that, um, especially not as good as it's been in the past. I mean, Ellinger's got a chance to, to show the nation that he is an elite quarterback, and we've got Spencer Rattler, who's got a chance to show the nation that he is an elite quarterback. Um, both of them have chances to show that they are elite. I don't think that either of these defenses, though, whoever wins this game, you're you're not elite, I'm sorry, because Texas's defense has been atrociously bad. They gave up 50-some points to Texas Tech, and then Oklahoma's 0-2. I mean, what else do you need to say about that one? So they've given up, I think, 38 and 37 points, respectively, in those first two games. So, it, you know, it's going to get a lot of attention, of course. The two biggest names in the Big 12, which you know you've, you've got you know no, none of the the traditions all that you know the festivities going on out there in Dallas but still between the white lines you've got a good football game who I think um, these teams are pretty evenly matched uh, you've got a team both teams coming off of losses that had great expectations coming into the season but who would have thought man somehow in, in somehow Texas has ranked. Somehow. I don't know what's wrong with the voters, but Oklahoma is not ranked. So neither of these teams should be ranked, but neither of them are in the top 20. Um, I am not, I don't know the last time this has happened, but boy, it's got to have been a while since that's been the case. Currently, Oklahoma is a one and a half point favorite. And that's just, I mean, you want to, if you got a coin in your pocket, just go ahead and flip it. Because I don't know who's going to win this game. I, I really, you, you don't know who's going to show up. Texas has not showed up for either of their games coming up. You know, so far in the season, nobody, neither of them have. So, I mean, I, you're really just playing with fire if you want to bet on this game. I don't know really who's got it. I mean, Gus Johnson's going to be on the call again. I've, I, I've loved hearing his voice um, on Big Noon on Fox. You know, it's been great, but. <sighs> this one's tough. I mean, it's going to be u- – I think it's going to be ugly. I really do. Um, the 11 a.m. kicks, I mean, maybe that's the problem with, you know, Texas. Back-to-back weekends, I believe they've been playing early. Or I guess they had a 2.30 game against Texas Tech. But bottom line, I mean, you know, it's 11 a.m. You never know what can happen. Both of these teams are traveling. So, obviously, that's kind of, uh, you know, a unique situation that you've got you know year in and year out there. I-, I still wish that this rivalry would be – You've got one year in Norman, and then you go to Dallas, and then you go to Austin, and then you go to Dallas. So you kind of keep the Dallas tradition going. But at the same time, wouldn't you, if you're a player, just one, just one game in your home stadium against your rival, Texas slash Oklahoma, whoever team you're playing for, wouldn't you just want one year? If you're a fan, wouldn't you just want one year? If you're the school, (laughs) I mean, think how much money you're going to make, you know, just with one game every four years, that's going to add up. And make a lot of money for the stadium, for the town of Norman or Austin, for, you know, for the school. It'd, it'd just be great. They don't do that. I wish they did. That's just my personal take. Some people love it. Some people say, yeah, every year. Let's bring it to Dallas. It's part of the tradition. I get that. But I just, you know, it's 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 weird. Every year, it's like oh, here we go again. You know, here comes the media, the hype, all this and that. I mean, this is this game here though. I'll go. I'll go Oklahoma. I'll say. I'll say 52-47. to 47. I think it's going to be a defensive letdown in this game. I think the offenses are going to have a lot of fun taking advantage of some of the miscues that might happen on the defensive side of the football. So 52-47, I'll take Oklahoma, but I'm not confident in that anything can happen here during these COVID times. Next up, we'll talk about Kansas State and TCU. And, you know, this one, interests, it's interesting to me a lot. And a lot of Kansas State fans are upset about the line. Uh, opening up in Vegas, it was about a 10.5-point spread. Um, that has shrunk. It's now a 8.5-point spread, so it's shrunken by two points, and that's probably going to continue to happen as the week goes on. Um, I have no problem with that. I really don't. I don't like Kansas State's chances in this game. I really don't. If, if Thompson's not playing, there is no way that K-State's even going to stand a chance, really. I'm sorry, but they're not. If Thompson is playing, they've got a chance to make this game competitive, but if you look at the way TCU has been playing, I mean, with Duggan, every week that Duggan gets more repetition, the more healthy he gets, the more uh, you know, in-game shape he gets into, you know, all that's going to do is make them better. And if Kansas State, if, if Thompson's not going, I don't like it at all. But even if I hate to say it, even if Thompson's a go, I like TCU to win this game. I think TCU is going to cover that spread no matter what it is. Um, you're you're traveling on the road in Fort Worth. Um, you know, obviously anything can happen during these COVID times. But I think TCU is the better team in this football game. I really do. Um, they're improving every week. I, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse when I say that. But if you're a K-State fan, I get it if you're frustrated with that line and and the disrespect you think you're getting. But y- you know. If Thompson's not going, even if he is going, TCU is a better team in this in this football game, in my opinion. That's a team that can really emerge as one of the better teams in this conference come December time. I I, I really do believe that. Um, but Kansas State they've shown a lot of inconsistency. They've had to rely on the blocked punts, the Douche Von, you know, home run passes. You know they've had to rely on too much. Okay. I you know I as much as I would like to to, to say K State's got a chance in this game, I'm gonna have to give it to TCU here. Uh, 35-20. I think K-State's going to fall down there in Fort Worth. Unfortunately, I have to give K-State an L here. Um, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but, you know, TCU just scares me a little too much. Um, Last game that we've got, of course, we've got four buys. Um, So we've only got three games, but you've got Texas Tech and Iowa State. Of course, we'll keep an eye on the Allen Bowman situation. I actually like Columbia. I really do. And I, I know I touched on that when we talked about K State and Texas Tech from this last weekend, but I like out, uh, Columbia a lot. I do and I, I like Bowman I like both of their quarterbacks. I truly do um, but with that being said, and I know I talked about it here on the first half that I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tech goes out goes out there and um, you know pulls off the upset or makes it a game as much as I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, I think um, Texas Tech is not going to not going to do that. I think Iowa State's got this in the bag. Um, it's a twelve and a half point spread right now. <clears throat> Excuse me, and, and I like the Cyclones forty-nine to sixteen in this football game. Um, I, you know, as much I would love to kind of give the reasons why Texas Tech. There's optimism, but I, I, you know, Iowa State's the better team. They're riding a very, you know, they're on the roller coaster and they're it's on its way up right now. I, I obviously said earlier that Texas Tech is going to. I guess not Texas Tech, but Iowa State's going to lose to a team they're not supposed to lose to. But I don't think it's necessarily Texas Tech. Brees Hall, um, hes I mean, he's probably the second-best running back that we've got in the Big 12. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, you could put him up there, sure, but Chuba Hubbard, number one. Brees Hall's playing some pretty well football. He's got 397 yards after just three games. So I like Iowa State in this one, 49-16 uh, um, to 16 up there in Ames, Iowa. So that's pretty much it for the show here. Um, A a fun weekend that we had last weekend. I hope that next week's podcast can be um, just as fun with a lot to digest. There was a lot of upsets um, that we had, not only, you know, in the Big 12, but college football in general. It's just been a lot of fun. Um, Obviously, I wish we could touch on that more, but Big 12, you know, this is the 10 of 12 podcast. We always simply focus on these teams that we've got In this conference, like I said, TCU, Oklahoma, and Iowa State are my winners uh, coming up here in Week 6 of the Big 12 Conference. Other than that, I'm Ryan Gilbert. Thank you so much for spending part of your day listening to this episode of the 10 of 12 podcast.